don't, they're not going to work out, you just give up on them. Or a dream you may have had, some have given up on their jobs, their marriages, friendships. What are some things that you would never give up on? Huh? Your children. Boom. Of course, God. I knew that was coming, right? Because we're in church. So you got to throw that. Let's this, this all say Jesus. Let's say Jesus. Oh, there we go. The, the house full of disciples. What else would you never give up on? Thank you. Your pastor. Wow. Huh? Something else. What would you never give up on? Family, your wife. There are some things in life that are just that important. That no matter what somebody tried to do to you, you would never give up on that thing that you hold so dear. The Apostle Paul opens up 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with that word, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. therefore. Whenever you see a therefore in the Scriptures, you need to investigate what you're there for. Right? Therefore, he says, since God in His mercy. Everybody say mercy. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're talking about. Mercy. The mercy of God. Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way. Everybody say new way. We never give up. Now what's he talking about? The Apostle Paul lived his entire life trying to attain God. He wanted to reach Him. He wanted to be approved by Him. He wanted to be accepted by Him. He wanted God to, to love Him, to be proud of Him, to commend Him. And the only system Paul had available to him was a religious works, do more, try harder system. Everybody say, boo! <laughs> yeah. Religion is the ladder we climb trying to get to God, hoping that when we finally get there, we've prayed enough, we've given enough, we've evangelized enough, we've been good enough. Whenever I ask people this question, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? I either get, or well, some say, absolutely not. <laughs> if you, right. Most people say, I don't know, especially religious people, because they're not sure if they've done enough yet to cut it, to, to cut the grade, right? Then there are those that say yes. And then my follow-up question is, why? Why would God let you into heaven? And the, the answer is inevitably, because I'm a good person. Because I've done to others what I would want them to do to me. Because I say my prayers every night. First of all, no, you don't. I'm a pastor, and I don't even, Okay. Oh my gosh, did I just say that out loud in front of my own congregation? Yeah. I told a church member recently who was just buried in guilt from feeling like she wasn't doing enough. I said, I don't, there's some days I just don't pray. She's like, what? I didn't know that. I said, you know, I mean, for me, prayer is like breathing. It, it, of course, there's, you talk to God, right? But sometimes my prayer to God, like uh, for one entire day, sometimes just like, whew, That's a good prayer, isn't it? Anybody ever prayed the help prayer? And that's all you've got? That's prayer. Some of those prayers actually release heaven on earth. Because they're real. 
That's why God loved David, because he was authentic. He never came to God and said, Oh, thou God most holy. David never did that. David comes to God and says, What up? You ever read the Psalms? Right? Where are you? How come you don't answer my prayers? But I love you. Right? He was just honest and raw. That's what God loves. I mean, he already knows you. He already knows your heart. He knows your real voice. He made you you. He made you unique. So you got to come to him and just be straight up and honest about it. And so Paul was the best at this. He prayed the most, gave the most, studied the most, taught the most. He was at the top of the religious food chain. He had power. He had wealth. He had influence. He had authority. And he was persecuting the church. He was having Christians because he thought it was a, a cult. He thought it was a, a, a religion that was threatening Judaism. And so he, he got authority from the Roman government to chase down believers, going to church services just like this, have them arrested and thrown into prison. That's what he was doing. It says the entire church was being terrorized by Saul. This guy had nothing to gain and everything to lose if he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He had no intention of doing it. He was doing just the opposite. He wanted to, his whole goal was to wipe out the church and that the name of Jesus would never be uttered again on the planet until Jesus appeared to him. Knocked him off his horse. That's where that phrase comes from. And then blinded him. They're like, what? Our Jesus? Our precious Jesus blinded somebody? Yes, he did. There's a reason for it. And he revealed himself to Saul, gave him an ultimatum, gave him a choice. Hey, would you like to serve me or you want to continue doing what you're doing? And so Saul chose wisely. And, and, then, and then the Lord uh, told him to go to uh, a, a believer's house, Ananias. Ananias... You can read this in Acts chapter 9. So Ananias, the Lord appears to Ananias and says, um, all right, Saul is now a servant of mine. And Ananias is talking to the Lord in a vision saying, Saul, the God is persecuting the church. And Jesus, I love, you, when you read the Bible, you could just jump over stuff and totally miss stuff like this. Yeah, Paul's praying to me right now, but here's what I want you to do. It's like, wait a minute. That's called multitasking. Here's Jesus talking to Ananias. And Jesus says, Saul, who's praying to me right now, is going to come to your house. So here's Jesus listening to Saul pray to him and talking to Ananias in a vision at the same time. You see, Jesus is not us. Did you know that? Right? It's like, well, how can the Lord... Raise the dead, heal the sick, and give me a parking place. I don't know, but he does. He does. As you know, for those of you that don't believe that, I park, you drive around the block. According to your faith, be it unto you. And so, Ananias, so Saul comes over to Ananias' house. Ananias lays hands on him, and it says there were, there were I'm, uh, this, is a, this is the main point today. There were scales, there were physical scales on Paul's eyes. The Lord had blinded Saul. There were physical scales on his eyes. And when Ananias laid hands on him, the scales fell off 
and fell off, and Saul's eyes were open. And Jesus changed his name to Paul, and he became the Apostle Paul. This is Paul's own testimony. Why would he make this up? Why would he lose everything? His power, his friendships, his reputation, his position, his wealth. He, he cashed it all in for one thing. Jesus. And to live his life, no matter how hard it got, telling others about Jesus. That was his whole life, his entire mission. And guess what? It's supposed to be ours too. When you and I make our secondary issues and earthly passions, our primary passions, we are not on Jesus' page. Jesus did not say, come follow me and I will make you rich and famous. I'll make all your wildest dreams come true. That's Napoleon Dynamite. Okay, that's not, that's not the gospel. He will bless us. He's with us everywhere. He'll bless all the works of our hands because he's just that good. But our primary purpose in life is to share the gospel with everybody we can. And yet only like 2% of the church does it. Which is why the, church is, the world's in the condition that it's in. The most powerful message. This message is so powerful, it literally changes the destiny of a person from hell to heaven. There's no medicine that can do that. There's no counselor that can do that. There's, no, there's nothing on the planet that has that kind of torque. That you can literally change a person's eternal destination from hell to heaven. But the simple message of the gospel. When you share the gospel with somebody and they believe it, bam! Something supernatural happens. They're born again. God moves inside. And their eternal destiny literally changes in that instant. In that second. That's, a, that's the biggest miracle on the planet. I know we're bleeding for healings. And I know we're bleeding for prosperity. And I know we're bleeding for breakthroughs. I know we're bleeding for all these things. But do you know the greatest miracle is somebody's salvation? Amen. Everything else is temporary. All of our other stuff is all temporary. That's the one thing that is eternal. Is people going to heaven and spending eternity with Jesus. And we are the link in the chain. You're the link. Between Jesus and the person you work with, the person in your family, the person on your sports team, your neighbors, you are the link between heaven and them. Everybody go like this. Say, I am a link. <laughs> yeah. That's what the 401 class is for. Stephanie does a tremendous job making it simple and easy and doable. Jesus had to make it simple, easy, and doable because he called us sheep. Sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet. He, if he's going to depend on us to save the world by sharing the gospel, he had to make it very, very simple. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, because God has given us this new way, which is not the religious way he grew up, but faith in Christ and Christ alone. That's the new way. Jesus is the new way. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus, by shedding his blood, has made a new way for us to get to God. The old way is you trying to get to God by being a good person. The new way is 
I have no faith and trust in my own goodness. I put all of my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did on that cross for me. That's the new way. And you walk straight through the throne of God, not by your goodness, but by His. Not by your good works, but by His. That's the new way. Who wants the new way? Raise your hand. You're right out there. Okay, who wants the old way? Anybody? Good. I taught it well. You understood it. We can move on. So one of the reasons he does not give up is because he can't, because the message is just too good. That, that's what he just said right there. Therefore, because God in his mercy gave us this new way, we will never give up. He, he was so... I got... Now, I was raised in a religious system. And when I was 19 years old and I was just a really good sinner, this guy at work had invited me to church. I didn't want to go. I finally went because I wanted him to quit inviting me. But I had emptiness in me, but I told him, what you're suggesting is not the answer. Okay, Jesus is not the answer. Going to church is not the answer. But I went just so he would stop asking me. And when I went, and I heard the gospel for the very first time, I got mad. Because the tradition that I was raised in, and my parents, and my grandparents, and my great-grandparents, and my great-great-grandparents, all the way back, were in this religious system where you had to do all this stuff, but you never had the assurance of salvation. And yet they were the ones entrusted with a message of salvation. If you can't tell, it still makes me a little angry. (laughs) It's the blind, Jesus said, the blind leading the blind. It wasn't an insult, it's just a fact. When we think we can reach God on our own good works, we are, we are dead in our tracks. The message of the gospel is that we couldn't reach Him, so He reached us. We couldn't go up to Him, so He came down to get us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful, Francisco? Oh, yeah. Therefore, we never give up. What would, what would one of the reasons be that the Apostle Paul would be tempted to give up? There's a couple of them. In verse 3, he says one of them. If the good news, everybody say good news. Good news. Come on, say good news. Good news. You see, the, the devil and the world wants to convince people that the Bible is bad news. It's bad news. Jesus is the only way. It's bad news. Christians are bad people. They're judgmental and they're, 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 they're narrow-minded and they're bigoted. And, right? It's bad news. No, it's good news. Because we're, we're all damned. But Jesus came to save us from damnation. And it cost Him His own life. And if you would just say yes to Jesus, your sins would be 
immediately erased for all of eternity. He'll breathe His Holy Spirit into you. You will experience a peace that you can only get from Jesus. And the day you die, you will go to heaven and be with God for eternity because that's what He made you for. How could that be bad news? The bad news is if you don't do that, if you don't receive Christ, you end up spending eternity without God. That's the bad news. So you see, it's a trick. Well, you might ask yourself, why in the world? How many of you have ever shared the gospel with somebody, plain as day, that we're all sinners, but God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you? So you wouldn't have to, so that you could spend eternity with him. And all you have to do is accept Jesus as your Savior. Will you do that with me? That's the guy I just gave you the gospel, by the way. See how simple that is? That was it. It's not a mystery. It's not so deep and complicated that you can't explain it to somebody. And Stephanie will give you little tools, little diagrams you can draw that make it really simple. I've led so many people to the Lord over the last 40 years on napkins, on airplanes. Watch this, see? Here's a cliff, and then there's a valley, and there's another cliff over here. And this is God, and this is you, and there's a gap between. And for you to get over to here, you need Jesus. You want to receive Him, right? Right on the airplane. Coffee shops. In the car. It's so simple, yet it's the power of God that changed a person's destiny from hell to heaven. How many of you have ever shared the simple gospel with somebody and they just don't believe it? There's one, two, three, four, five. So you got a head nod. Anybody else? You shared it. They don't want it. They don't believe it. They can't see it. They don't understand. And you're like, you're like, look. Let me have your Bible, Mark. Look. It's right here in front of your face. Look. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, right? It's just so simple. How can you not believe this? Well, the Apostle Paul says why, right here. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only, everybody say only, from people who are perishing because, now I know you don't want to say his name in church, but say it. Satan, say Satan. Because Satan, now this is the Apostle Paul talking. Paul after he gave, gave his life to Christ, came out of his body, he's, he's, he gives his own testimony, he went to heaven and solved the whole thing. Heaven, hell, angels, demons, Satan's regime, the planet, the way it's all working, where we came from, where we're headed. He saw it all. He came back down into his body and said, okay. He wrote, wrote this in the Bible. I've seen things and I know things I can't even talk to you about because your head would explode. But I'll tell you what I can And one of the things he's telling us right here is, if somebody does not believe the good news of Jesus Christ, it's because Satan, everybody say Satan, Satan. who is the God, small g, of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are, everybody say, unable. Unable. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So, uh, I'm going to give you an illustration. I need two demons, please. Come on, you know who you are. Come on, I need two demons. All right, we got one and two. There we go. 
Okay, there we go. Okay, and I need somebody who, quote, unquote, does not believe the gospel. Somebody come on up here who does not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, all right, Francisco, here we go. Okay, you're behind the veil. Okay, so here we have someone who does not, not, up, there we go. Okay, so look, Francisco, we've been working beside each other for a long time, and I just want to share something with you, okay? Jesus loves you. Yeah, he, no, he does. No, no, he really does exist. No, he really was a historical person. No, listen to me. Okay, Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. No, no, sin is a real thing. No, just listen. He died for your sins. No, sin isn't just a concept. It's not a human construct. Okay, sin is real. And, okay, right? Huh? Yeah, it's like, why don't you, why don't you understand? I, you know what? You just stay right there. I know what I'm going to do. I know what the problem. I'm going to get out my, I'm going to get out my gospel box here. I've got all sorts of, I know what the problem is. It's kind of like when you're trying to talk to somebody that speaks a different language. You're speaking English and they're speaking a different language. And so when they don't understand you, what do you do? You decide, yeah, I'm going to continue to speak the same language I'm speaking. However, listen, I, listen to me now. All right. Uh, that's the problem. You just can't hear me. So I'm just going to shout the gospel at you this time. God so loves you that he sent his son. Do you believe it now? No. Okay, I know what the problem is. I know what the problem is. Jesus said we're supposed to be the salt and the light of the world. I know the problem. There's just not enough light. You know what we need to do? I just need to be a brighter Christian. That's what I'm going to do. i got to let my light shine. I'm going to go to work tomorrow, and I'm going to speak in tongues right at my desk. And I'm going to bring every Bible I have and every different translation. And I want to have... Can we have lunch tomorrow, Francisco? I want to have lunch with you and shine the gospel brighter on you. Do you believe now? No. Gosh. Why in the world doesn't he believe? I know what the problem is. I know what the problem is. I need to get educated. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get my undergraduate degree in theology. I'm going to get my master's degree. I might even get a PhD. Yeah, I've got systematic theology degree. I'm going to dishonor. This, these are all my wives, by the way. Dishonor society. Dishonor society. Now that I have my PhD in systematic theology, now I know what the problem is. I've been speaking to you in English. Now I need to tell it to you in the Hebrew and the Greek. <laughs> Finally, the original language. This, this is what we do. This is what we think. We think we're battling a natural war. This is not a natural war. This is a spiritual war and souls are the prize. You don't need the bright lights. You don't need the theology degrees. You don't need a megaphone to share the gospel in such a way that somebody can believe it and give their life to Jesus. What is the one thing that causes the blinders, the one thing that causes the blinders to come off somebody? 
Oh, there you are. There you are. I want to tell you about Jesus. Okay. See that? That's how it works right there. All right. Thanks. Thank you, demons. That's one of the reasons why we are praying as a church and why we got to always pray as a church and never stop praying as a church because we are in a spiritual warfare. That's my gospel megaphone. Now, for those of you that are watching online or listening to this, or maybe you're here and you don't believe, and you're insulted by what I just said, that you are, quote, spiritually blinded by Satan, I understand how that could be offensive. But what if it's true? What if it's actually true? This has nothing to do with your intellect. That's my point. It's not about how smart you are. This is a spiritual reality. It's a realm... Can you say, well, Satan doesn't have that kind of power over me. Well... Actually, Jesus, uh, Paul called him the God of this world. That he's able to confuse, blind, deceive. Jesus called him the father of lies. He is the deceiver. He's been around a lot longer than you have. He was in heaven with God, an archangel. He saw the whole thing. He got thrown down to earth. And then 6,000 years later, however long it's been, all of a sudden you arrive, but you know it all. We think we're in control of our own destiny, but we don't know Jack. We don't know where we came from. We don't know why we're here. We don't know where we're going when we die. That's why philosophers, since the beginning of time, have asked these very questions. Who are we? Why are we here? Where are we headed? What's the meaning of life? The, I mean, we have, we have courses and degrees and study on these very questions. The human race has an identity crisis. The whole planet is in crisis. I was listening to an AM radio station the other night. I was driving along, and the only one that would come in, but I listened to all of them. Because I like to hear the different voices. God's voice, the world's voice, religious voices. I listen to Catholic radio. I listen to Christian radio. I listen to secular radio. I listen to, this one was coast to coast. It comes on late at night. And uh, when all the weirdos come out and start getting on the radio. Okay, now listen. I can call him that because I'm not the savior of the world. Jesus would never say that. He loves everybody. He might even like everybody. I don't know. But he's after everybody to save them. And I'm listening to these people on this program talk about the paranormal. That's why I said that. The paranormal. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. And this lady's on there and she is talking about, she's an expert. She's written multiple books and she's an expert on the other side, on the supernatural realm. And so people are calling in and asking her questions. And they're asking her questions like, so in heaven, when somebody get, comes there, do their relatives or their friends greet them? If, and she says, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, certainly. And they say, well, what if they have a, had a bad relationship on earth? Would they then greet them then? And she said, oh, well, um, hmm, 
Well, uh, you know, probably not. But that was, I'm listening to this. And all of her answers were like that. Oh, uh, well, I'm... Mm, she kept doing that. Mm, I don't know. Well, yeah, probably it could be. And these were all her understanding. She's an expert. And people are calling in asking these questions about dead relatives and afterlife and what happens. And she does not have any answers. And I thought, it's the blind leading the blind. That's not an insult. It's just a spiritual reality. Jesus said that. The Apostle Paul said that. It's a spiritual reality that we're just blind. And only God can remove the blinders from our eyes to be able to see the glorious gospel in the face of Jesus, is what he says. We think we can see and we don't. We can't. In fact, you know what Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day? Because you say you see, you remain blind. You see, when we don't come to God with humility and say, like, like Billy Graham said, the longer I live, the more I know how much I don't know. It's kind of like when a child totally disagrees with a decision you make as a parent. Anybody ever experienced that before at all, ever? In your, yeah. I, I do not agree with your decision about my curfew or about what I should be doing or not doing or I can do, can't do, how long I could be on my phone or the computer or why I can't hang out with that person, or, you know, whatever. The, I mean, the parents always making these decisions for the child, right? And the child many times does not agree at all with the decision. And like logically, they think the parent is out of touch, old school, old generation, don't get it, you don't understand me, You've never been a teenager before. <laughs> and as a parent, you see a much bigger picture. You've been where they are, and now you're way down here, and you've learned so much. And you're like, okay, now let me... And you try to explain it, it doesn't work, and finally you just say, because I said so. And that doesn't really go over well either, but you know, that's about all you got left. Until they have children. Like the time I called my mom up when I first had my firstborn. And I was exhausted. I was frustrated. I was at a complete loss. And so I called my mom. Mom. And I start complaining to her about my, my frustration with my newborn. And all of a sudden I started hearing this giggle. And the giggle got stronger until it turned into a laugh. And I thought, I don't know. I said, what? Are you laughing? Why are you laughing? And then she just started losing it, laughing and laughing and laughing. She goes, I've been waiting for this day. For so long. And then when you have your own kid, you start making decisions for your child. And all of a sudden it's like, oh... Oh, oh, 
That's why my mom and dad made that decision. I just made the same decision for my kid. And my kid's going, I don't agree with this decision. Like, oh my God. It's the same movie that just plays over and over and over. Look, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be like, oh, oh, oh. If you would answer that prayer, that would have happened. And that, oh, right? Because God sees from a much wider spectrum than we do. And we need to trust Him. It's the same way with this right here. I had somebody just recently asked me, you know, how can Christianity be the only right religion and all the other ones wrong? Paul just explained it right here. He said, this isn't a religion. This is salvation. This is us being rescued by the only sinless human being that was ever on the planet who sacrifices life for the human race. And then, by the way, rose from the dead. He said how he was going to die, when he was going to die, who was going to kill him, and then when he was going to come back to life. Somebody say, hello. Hello. Right? So, the resurrection itself proves that Jesus is the Son of God. And that ends that argument. But it cannot be believed because Satan is blinding their minds. I was blinded. Everybody in here was blind until the Lord opened our eyes. I didn't think Jesus was the way for me. Absolutely not. I thought it was ridiculous until I believed. And that's when the peace entered my heart. And now I've spent the last 40 years telling people about Jesus. Lost friends, had issues at work, deep, deep, painful division with some of my family members. The Apostle Paul by the way, faced more than that. And I want to bring us to a close with this. And this should help us, should encourage us. For us in the Western world, sharing the gospel with people, you might be ridiculed. You might be made fun of. You might be called a simpleton. You know, uh, you're a fool. You might lose a friend or two. You might be called a Jesus freak. That's really about it. That's our persecution. That's our level of persecution. But we still don't want to do it because of our psychological need to be accepted. And that's deep. That's psych- you know, in our psyche and our emotions, we don't want to be the weird one. We don't want to be left out when everybody else is going out. We don't want to be left out. Um, I've experienced that over and over and over when I was in college and when I was uh, an employer. And my, my, you know, everybody would go out after work and they leave me behind. You know, they don't want the Apostle Paul coming along, right? I mean, that's, he's just no fun. I get it. But that's about it. What about Paul? Well, um, I, 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 want us to, I want us to go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. Because I want you to see what Paul went through. I don't know why my phone isn't uh, playing well with others. 
So I'm going to go with Chris. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, and he's talking about uh, super apostles is what they called them back in the first century. These guys that came along that said, Paul is a charlatan, Paul's a joke, Paul just wants your money, Paul's not a real apostle, we are the real apostles. And they started putting all sorts of religion back on these people that Paul had led to the Lord in Corinth. So Paul is really angry right now, and he's defending his apostleship, his fathering of this church, these people. And this is what he says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often. Okay, so now he's already beyond our persecution, right? Anybody here ever been put in prison for telling somebody about Jesus? No. So Paul's already departed our level of persecution. Been whipped times without number. Faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. There was those whips like Jesus was whipped with. With the glass and the metal shards at the end of it ripping into his back. Ripping into his face. Ripping into his chest. How many times? Three times I was beaten with rods. Can you imagine that? Just for telling people about Jesus. Beating him with rods three times. Once I was stoned. In fact, you can read that in the book of Acts where they stoned him outside of a city for preaching Jesus. And his disciples thought he was dead. think he was. So they gathered around and prayed and raised him from the dead. And you know what Paul did? You can read it in the book of Acts. He went right back into that same town and started preaching some more. He said, say, therefore, Therefore, we never give up. up. Come on, church. Therefore, Therefore, we never give up. Oh, Lord, they're sleepy today. Let's try it again. Ready? Out loud. Say, therefore, Therefore, thank you. We never give up. up. Ah, that's the church that Satan's afraid of right there. That unsolicited chant. (laughs) Therefore, okay, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers, from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and in the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who's weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window into the city to escape from him. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I read that to you because we're talking about never giving up. And the Apostle Paul ends 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with this. Verse 16. 
That is why we never give up. He opened the chapter with, therefore we never give up telling people about Jesus. No matter how hard it gets. No matter how many friends you might lose. We never give up telling them about this new way that God gave to us. It's the only salvation of the world. And then he ends this chapter with, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present, here we go, for our present troubles, we just read his present troubles, right? All that list we just read. For our present troubles are small. All right, American church, did you read any small troubles in that list that we read earlier? Our present troubles, as he has scars all over his body, our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Our flight gets canceled and we think all hell has broken loose in our life. How could a loving God let there be no orange juice in our house? I'm like, you know, there's this grocery store just 1.2 miles down the road, and you do have a driver's license. Never! You know, there's a magic list over there. You write down what you want, and the next day it appears in the house. No! My life is so full of trials and suffering. The Apostle Paul says the list I just read about what he went through so that he could get the gospel to lost people, these things we are suffering are small and won't last very long. Why? Because his understanding of what's important was right here in the front of his mind and in his heart from the day he met Jesus on earth to the day he went to be with him in heaven. And that is what needs to happen to us as well. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce what? Our troubles produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. See, that's the comparison that we need right there. And will last forever. There is a glory that your trials right now are working for you. Your trials right now, that you're suffering, whatever it might be, whether it's related to sharing the gospel or not, just your trials as a believer on this side of heaven. As you are going through these trials, and especially if the trials related to sharing Christ with somebody and they are persecuted you for it, those trials, Paul says, are working for you. Maybe against you in the earth, but for you in heaven. Those trials right now that you're in are working for you a glory that is growing that you will receive when you get to heaven. What glory? A couple. One, you're, gonna, you're becoming more and more like Jesus every day through your trials. As you depend on God, you're getting deeper with God, the glory of Christ in you is growing and you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And secondly, every measure of persecution you experience and suffering on this side of heaven for the gospel 
you're going to be rewarded for in heaven. Did you know that? In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, when you are persecuted, rejoice, because great is your reward in heaven. And so here he says, the, the, the trials are producing for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. My prayer, my prayer prayer, oh God, my prayer, is that the love that Jesus has in His heart for every lost soul on the planet will become ours. Will become our heart. He opened our eyes to see Him. May He be open our eyes to see them. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Stand up, Christian. The Apostle Paul said it this way. The love of Christ is constraining me to tell people about the gospel. He's, I don't have a choice. The love of Christ is driving me crazy. I've got to tell Francisco about Jesus. That's what that word literally means. The Apostle Paul said the love of Christ is literally boxing me in. In the Greek, it literally means the way a disease attaches to a body. The love of Christ has gripped me so tightly. If I seem to be out of my mind, it's because the love of Christ is constraining me to tell you about Jesus. That's what the church needs. Let's all stand and let's ask the Lord for it. Because we so easily get caught up in our own earthly things that we forget who we are and what our ultimate assignment is. Come, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of people who have not come to me yet. How many of you are willing to be a fisher for Jesus? Come on. How many of you are willing to not waste your life on earthly secondary things. You're not allowed to raise somebody else's hand for them. <laughs> if he doesn't want to serve Jesus, he doesn't have to. If he doesn't want... If he just wants the blessings, but he doesn't want to fulfill his divine destiny, God will give it to him. But it will be a sad story. Come on, how many of you... He, he's one of our, he was one of our missionaries. We sent him down to Costa Rica. And God, he, he had an ACL tear. They said it was going to be a nine-month recovery. Gary and Kathy Mancini's daughter, Kirsten, prayed for him. And they went into the operating room, opened up his knee, and said, it's completely healed. And, he went, and we sent him on the mission field. Okay, so I can bust his chops because he's like, one of the biggest evangelists in the room today. Come on. How many of you, now this is a serious prayer. How many of you want to ask the Lord, Lord, you've opened my eyes to see you. I'm asking you right here and now, open my eyes to see them. To see those who have not yet come to you. And I am volunteering in your army this morning to be used by you, to be led by you, to pray for them first, to begin praying for them, 
And then when you give me opportunity, I will share the good news of Jesus with them to see them saved. If that's you and you're serious about it, just raise your hand and let's ask the Lord right now. Say, Lord, touch my eyes to see as you see. To see people like you see them. Say, open my eyes, Holy Spirit, to really see them in their spiritual condition. And now I'm going to ask even a bigger prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, fill my heart right now with the love of Jesus for this lost world. I give you permission to wreck my heart with your love for the lost. And I'll just close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit now, show me who you want me to start praying for. Now watch. Somebody's going to come up. Watch this. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, who do you want me to start praying for? Okay, how many will say, how many will raise your hand and say, somebody just came up in my mind. I saw them in my imagination. I saw them in my mind. Bam, 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 bam. Okay, they are your prayer assignment. They're your prayer assignment. Starting right now until the day they come to Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Josh, you got a song? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Lord, oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. Let's sing it out. The moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life, all my life you have been 